Hello and welcome to another special episode of Breaking Mayberry Bottle Episodes, the mini-series of the podcast that makes all of your wishes come true. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm that other host, Dan Ludwig. And this is a second go-around with uh, with Jeannie. Uh, we brought in an expert this time, a ringer. Uh, <laughs> Arguably the preeminent authority on I Dream of Jeannie. <laughs> At least definitely the one who's going to, like, be the authority as far as people we're talking to. Uh, we're talking to podcaster and writer extraordinaire Sarah Century, who comes to us from uh, the podcast Bitches on Comics, also writes for places like Sci-Fi Wire in their fangirls section. Sarah, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I love how much uh, excitement there is around it now. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am the authority of Genie. You have been infected by the same madness that infects <laughs> us. You were compelled to watch I Dream of Genie and then talk about That's it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you made a better choice than we did, though, honestly. <laughs> Like, like we're we're linking up with Jeannie for like six episodes or some odd, and then we have to go back to Mayberry, <laughs> which is hell. Yeah, yeah, it's slow paced. It's a little slow paced than Mayberry. You came to us because you wrote an article on Sci-Fi Wire, which we're going to share in our notes, looking back on I Dream of Genie, and it's a great article you published about a month ago. But before we get into it, I want to we want to ask you a few questions about that. But why don't you tell our listeners about your podcast and other projects and where people can find you on the internets? Yeah, um, I'm just a co-host of a podcast called Bitches on Comics, as you say. And also, you can find us at bitchesoncomics.com. I have sarahcentury.com, no H in the Sarah. And also, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, pretty much. I'm, I'm pretty active there, I'd say. So tell us about Bitches on Comics. Oh, what is this show? Yeah, um, we answer questions about comics. There's a lot of people who write in and just ask us various things about you know, what should I do if somebody is gatekeeping me and like, well, you know, is being a jerk about me reading comics or whatever. And it's our whole response line to that is usually uh, they suck and don't worry about it. But um, yeah, just answering, you know, questions about X-Men randomly or like, how do I feel about the Joker? That kind of stuff. Dear Sarah, what is <laughs> Buona Beast's whole deal? What's with that guy? Wow. Yeah. No, that's the exact kind of questions. <laughs> what is the possible difference between Swamp Thing and Man Thing? Oh, wow. That's a harder question to answer than you would think. <laughs> Dear Sarah, which Booster Gold timeline is your favorite? Ooh. Well, as long as Booster Gold's there, I guess that's my favorite. <laughs> we we just became best friends. Booster Gold might be my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite comic co book characters of all time. He's so. the best. I think it uh, depends on how close Blue Beetle is to him at any given moment. Like, the true. farther apart they are, the less I like him. Uh-huh. You've got to have, like, the fall guy, right? Like, the guy who's there just to kind of bounce your jokes off of. Yeah, exactly. He's like the perfect comic book hype man. Love it. Yeah. I'm so happy to all the people that came here <laughs> for for classic television and are now getting like C-list DC Comics characters in their ears. <laughs> but if Welcome you want more. <laughs> oh, yeah. We occasionally get people that are like genuine fans of classic TV that yes. just pop in and be like, why are you guys talking about Frasier? <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what this is a good opportunity though to promote uh our latest bonus episode on the patreon uh one of our patrons asked us to uh quote 
get completely wasted and explain the plot of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> we did the first part. <laughs> Uh, currently up on Patreon, you can get there if you're a subscriber, patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry, is part one of what we're calling Tequila Blade, um, <laughs> in which Dan and I tried to take you through the entire Kingdom Hearts universe. It was three and a half hours that we were doing this and just drinking the strongest margaritas. <laughs> uh, so our one is up on Patreon. <laughs> you can get, you can listen to it if you go become a patron supporter. Okay. Okay, so, enough housekeeping. We're talking genie now. We're talking genie. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about uh this article that you wrote a month ago, uh looking back at I Dream of Genie, uh where you talk about kind of the setup, give us the premise, uh talk about reading running through genie through a modern feminist lens uh talk about kind of the character of genie and you talk a little bit about the episode we're going to get into today so my question first off is why this article what what prompted you to say i need to talk about uh, i dream a genie uh what why do you have the madness that we have (laughs) well they just uh i dream of genie just had a anniversary and i don't remember what year it was but it's a big one i think it was 50 or 60 i don't i don't remember um, but it just had a huge anniversary. Uh, Barbara Eden just had a birthday. She, I believe she's 87 now. Both of those things coincided in a way that made me really want to talk about Barbara Eden and how good she is in I Dream of Jeannie and how that whole series kind of, I don't know, everybody's good on it, but it's its a genie show. It's about her. She is fucking incredible. Yeah. And it's kind of, the idea of her aging is almost weird. Like, I kind of have her in my head as, like, just unaffected by time. And she's still so much the same, which is kind of interesting. She has these really fun interviews that you can watch with her where she talks about feminism and genie and things like that. She has a uh, guest appearance on the Andy Griffith show that we've talked about where she's given a character that is absolute garbage. Her (laughs) entire character is just hot blonde lady. Yeah. And she kills it yeah she absolutely slaughters everything and just wipes the floor with all the other male actors that are in the uh in the show because you can only have one woman on screen on the andy griffith show at any time of course Uh, and it's it's almost like a uh preamble for what she does on this show where basically she comes in sets up a problem and then just watches and just giggles to herself which is amazing yeah the whole time she is so so funny there's i don't think that this show would be as memorable as it is if we didn't have barbara eden in the role because the whole thing is just reliant on her causing herself a problem (laughs) and then rolling through the problem essentially and watching everybody else have to deal with this like massive problem that she's caused which is really fun to watch I'm really curious, is I Dream of Jeannie just like, just basically they put Barbara Eden in wardrobe and just said, go? Yeah, it like, seems like it. Whenever I read interviews about it, it just seems like they didn't, they wanted a brunette because Bewitched was already on and they were like, mm-hmm. we can't deal with two magical blonde women on television, <laughs> you know, the 60s, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they had her on there. Um talking about it and just being like she was just so funny that they couldn't not do it she was also pregnant at the time so (laughs) there was really yeah so she had to uh she had an interesting costume through a lot of the first season and she like makes jokes about how it looked like she was wearing a tent sometimes 
that was because she was pregnant and they were gonna just they were like we just need you to be genie we don't <laughs> we'll do whatever we need to do you just have to be the person who plays this character that's, that's really insane it's fascinating because as soon as it switches to color like 60 percent of the premise is barbara eden's abs oh yeah we've we've talked a little bit on this show about um kind of the weird orientalism of the show uh-huh. uh and i i always hate being the like is x feminist kind of person but what's what's kind of the two sides of the debate about uh the feminism of i dream a genie well i mean there is only one side to the orientalism that is portrayed yeah, yeah. on the show and that is not incorrect that is incredibly baked into the concept of this series I don't think, of course, during the 60s, people had no idea what they were doing, obviously, because there were so, so many terrible representations that, of course, we look back on. I mean, I guess probably not all of us do, but a lot of us look back on now and just are mortified by it. I think that I Dream of Jeannie usually is like doesn't focus on that aspect as much but then of course you her costume you know and like the whole premise is total exoticism there's not really any way of defending it (laughs) so i'm not i can't i can't try you know um we would be in such shit if you showed up and tried no there's no way um but i will say that there's other elements to the show, I guess. And sometimes whenever you're watching it, obviously as a little kid, barely none of that registered with me. But as an adult, you can watch it. And sometimes, like, for instance, the episode that we have today, it really just doesn't play a part in it, right? So sometimes you're able to watch it and still laugh, I guess, even yeah. though it's kind of messed up, actually extremely messed up. Um, but also... It's kind of like a sub dom <laughs> relationship. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's in there's insane. there's kind of this weird gender questioning. There's all of these norms that are kind of thrown right out the window with this show. The premise is so interesting when it comes to gender dynamics and so it's a very strange show to watch because you have one side of you being like, "Oh god," and then one side of you being like, this is weirdly empowering for Jeannie in a strange way. And and uh, also kind of helps question a lot of the stuff that was really holding a lot of women back at the time. So, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've really had to struggle with my feelings on it <laughs> also. So let's go ahead and talk about today's episode. So this is guest choice that we're doing this. Uh, and Sarah, you chose season three, episode four, my turned on master. <laughs> Style is so good. Okay, so up top, can we just say exceptional job? Absolutely <laughs> crushed it with picking this episode. Oh yeah, this is the best one. <laughs> Sarah, why did why did you pick this episode? Oh, because it's the problematic aspects are very low on this one. Uh, the payoff is very high. Jeannie is very feminist through the whole episode. Yeah. Tony's kind of a chump, which is fine. Um, It just is really funny to me because she gets such an upper hand on him and just kind of keeps it very casually (laughs) the -hmm. entire time. So as I ship them as like a subdom (laughs) situation, (laughs) I would say that uh, this is one of those times where you see that like, you know, the sub actually does have all of the power and is in charge of everything. 
I, I, I feel like shipping is almost an inappropriate term because d- can you call it shipping if it was if it is one hundred percent accurate and correct? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it's not really a theory. It's almost just like I will say it's interesting if we want to put it in those terms that in this particular case the sub does get the upper hand and wields the power in the relationship by literally giving up her powers. <laughs> it's so uh, very kinky. <laughs> like I'm just I will. Say. I'll go ahead and read the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Uh, actually, like a three-sentence summary. Jeannie transfers her powers to Tony for 24 hours. He accidentally transfers them to Dr. Bellows. When Tony gets the powers back, he uses them to do Jeannie's hair. That is an accurate <laughs> summary of what happens in this episode. <laughs> that is exactly what happens in this episode. It's so funny. Cause Good night, everyone. It's none of the plot elements that I would have hit on, but that is actually exactly what happens in this episode. <laughs> The the person who wrote this Wikipedia summary gives as little of a shit as the person that wrote this episode. <laughs> this episode kicks ass, but the writers are very much just like, fuck it. Yeah. No one's gonna fact check us on any of this. Oh, uh, uh, the person who did write this episode is Dennis Whitcomb. The director is Hal Cooper, who wrote, directed a whole bunch of these. Uh, and it originally aired October 3rd, 1967. You want to just uh, jump right into this? Let's talk about the, like, from the first scene. (laughs) Um, The spaceships. Just a super casual, chill space flight. (laughs) Like, like they're just doing, like, hey, it's Thursday. Time to go into space real fast. She's she's eating popcorn on the couch. You you say that, but, like, I feel like this is the first time I've seen them treat a space flight with the actual, like, reverence that a space flight <laughs> deserves. Because they show the footage of the shuttle being built and lifting off, and, like, Jeannie's at home watching on television, meaning it's being broadcast on television. So she's at home, and she's watching, like, her man orbit the Earth with her with his best friend, Major Healy. Dan has a note here that says that there's an insane amount of detail that they're giving the space flight, which is clearly stock footage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're just, like, rapidly cutting between things at an insane rate that no television program would ever do. <laughs> just, like, control room, satellite, rocket, a different shot of control room, close-up of, like, machinery. <laughs> Here's all the people that went to make this happen and just kind of shows that. And then it's obviously a totally different camera that's filming. Yeah. yeah, they put so little effort into this this scene of a fucking space mission. And they do it in like two minutes. They spend a whopping two minutes talking about the space mission. Healy and Tony, they splash down. Hooray, another successful space mission. Everybody cheers. Uh, and Jeannie cannot wait to see Tony. So she blinks herself into the capsule with Healy and Tony. You did miss uh, something that uh, they're just like, oh, yeah. So later you're going to see a video of uh, Major Nelson just like walking in space. And this is why I'm kind of like they're really casual about it because they just come down and like, all right, that's done. And rather than just coming down and be like, oh, I'm so glad we didn't die. <laughs> it's the 60s. <laughs> they just stroll in. Like- they're like, yeah. hey, everybody, we're going to dinner later. You want to go? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Healy and Tony treat this trip to space like they're two UPS drivers completing their delivery route. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, this was their fucking commute into work. Uh, you you want to go to Bennigan's later for them, <laughs> uh, them half-price drink specials? Uh, 
That uh, that mid-orbit always makes me feel a little hungry. Yeah. What are you doing after this? I could go for a beer. And so Jeannie pops into the capsule. Uh, Healy has this great line that almost summons her, where he says, like, Oh, hey, next time we go up into space, we should ask for a stewardess. And then Jeannie <laughs> appears. Um, and starts kissing on his face and is really excited. Tony meets this with, like, I'm going to say mild annoyance. Yeah. It really, why is he always so unhappy with her affection in basically every single context yeah that's a great question everybody watching the show must have been completely baffled by it because what yeah like it doesn't matter if like it's in a compromising situation like oh no she's gonna get found out or if they're just like at the house she's always like hey i'm really into you and he's like all right i guess (laughs) It's less than ideal for me, but I'm, I'm. It's fine. Yeah, I was hoping that I could date somebody way more boring. And <laughs> yeah. Barbara Eden's like, all right, well, I guess I'll just chill. Yeah, no, I was, I was really kind of feeling someone who's uh, not Barbara Eden or a demigod. Yeah, I, those are my standards. I, you know, I got this magical ten at home, <laughs> but. But I was thinking maybe I could go out for a, like, really boring five. <laughs> Just, like, a, a plain-looking accountant. No offense to the accountants out in the world. I'm gonna just get every uh, oh, every. Oh, you get us fucking canceled by accountants. <laughs> My goal is by the end of this series to get every profession angry at me. <laughs> <laughs> so the divers show up to uh, pull Healy and Tony out of the capsule because they're floating in the water. Genie's like yells from the inside, "We're doing great in here!" <laughs> and the divers go, "Oh wow, they've been up there way too long. I don't know. Is that a helium you... joke? I don't know. <laughs> it's a." It's a very good joke that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yes. Yeah, those yes. they those happen on 60s television sometimes where I just go, "Oh, that must have been something about the 60s that was happening." <laughs> okay, so what we've learned on this show, no, it never <laughs> is. It's always some bullshit that the writers made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they just like say shit with like a very good delivery and then like there's a laugh track. And you just go like, I guess that was funny? I don't want to be left out. The laugh track is making me feel excluded. Title screen. Do, 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 do. Back to the house. There's apparently a big press banquet that Tony has to go to talking about the space mission. He says that Jeannie isn't allowed to go. Jeannie's very excited to go to the banquet that night. And he says, nope, you're not going. We're not going together because you always forget and you wind up using your powers. and there's going to be a lot of journalists there. Someone's going to figure it out, and we have to keep you hidden. Um, <laughs> actually, so question for uh, for Sarah. So, do you have you've watched a lot of this show? Do you have any be- like good idea of what the borders of Jeannie's powers are, like what she's <laughs> capable of and not capable of? Because we've been trying to figure out like like what she can and cannot do extremely unsuccessfully yeah um well i'm gonna go ahead and say that that's a writer's convenient situation but definitely in this episode they talk about it later right where she tells tony that he can't maybe we should just get to that part because <laughs> I'll, no. I'll spoil it but uh <laughs> yeah basically she's telling tony you can't t- you can't just use these powers as you feel like it you know this is a complicated situation if you stop one war you might start 10 wars that situation and that to me was 
her kind of saying that her powers are self-limited, right? Uh, so she oh, could okay. feasibly do anything. Yeah. But she chooses not to. That's what it seemed like to me, because, like, he's talking about, oh, I'd do all this stuff with your powers, little lady, and all of that. <laughs> and she's just like, no, you wouldn't, because you'd ruin everything. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. You'd level the world, you fucking clod. Yeah. That that does explain, like, pretty well why she's using her phenomenal cosmic powers for, like, the most mundane things. Yeah, it just makes her life is... easier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also because, again, if not, we would have no show. The entire run of this show seems to be predicated on characters forgetting that Genie exists, <laughs> including Genie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Genie uh, forgets all the time. <laughs> yeah. But she also forgets not to use her powers, and that's what Tony's <laughs> upset about. As if evidence of this. While they're having this conversation, Tony's looking for her briefcase, and Jeannie poofs the briefcase into his hand. <laughs> and Tony's basically like, see, there, you do it automatically. <laughs> he There's a good bit where he tries to leave for work, and she poofs him back That's uh, really into cute. the house. It's real cute. So Because he, he's still walking like he's walking down the sidewalk. Yeah. And and he's hey, I'm back in my house again. He's all being like, haha, it's Jeannie, you silly. Like, they have, like, a little cute thing here. Yeah, no, the moments where uh, they actually, like, get along just straightforward and Tony's not being a jerk yeah. are, like, adorable. Yeah. There's real chemistry between them. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, from what we've heard, too, Larry Hagman was apparently just a monster on the set yep. and just, like, horrible to work with. <laughs> and so. Barbara Eden, her whole line is, uh, yeah, I just went into my dressing room. I didn't even listen to that guy. <laughs> Was he just going on rampages? I guess. I mean, because he was, he had uh, substance abuse issues and all of that. I think he was like going through divorces, all kinds of terrible things. Um, and Barbara Eden is, I'll see y'all later. Click. Goodbye. And like, it made, sounds like he went through like a divorce season from the way you yeah. phrased it. Yeah, <laughs> divorce season. The show was only on for like four or five years. How many divorces can you have in that time period? And he might, he not, he might not have had any, you know, I'm just like, I'm just pontificating <laughs> that perhaps that is the reason a series I, of divorces might cause you to be a monster on set, I suppose. I, he was, I feel like he was a, a rich actor in the 60s. I feel like you're... Your, your conjecture is correct, probably, that he <laughs> oh, was yeah. just racking up divorces oh, yeah. at this point. TV stars especially. Jeannie comes up with a plan, uh, and she tells Tony, what if I transferred my powers for 24 hours? What if I just gave up my power and transferred it somewhere else for 24 hours? That way I couldn't use my magic. And Tony's like, wait, you, you could do that? Yeah, do that. So she does that. Uh, he has no follow-up questions whatsoever because she doesn't say like deactivate my powers she says transfer and he's like like I, yeah no i i definitely don't really pay attention to the first word in that sentence yeah no no sympathy for tony whatsoever here because tony should have asked at least one question yeah like i feel like that that setup begs a question that he doesn't ask yeah he's basically just like Cool. Uh, transfer power. Uh, I have no other issues here. Uh, solves my problem, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Tony's a fool. <laughs> Tony is a thundering dipshit. <laughs> He's so bad at this. It's so funny, <laughs> though. Jeannie just completely laughs her way through it and is so amused. <laughs> I am genuinely curious why she is in love with this absolute fucking clock. Because she just 
like messes with him all of the time. It looks so fun. <laughs> she yeah. she makes it look fun. Like if it was any person, if it was any of us, we probably couldn't make it work with Tony. But <laughs> yeah. Jeannie has a really good attitude about it, and it's just this guy is a fool, and I am going to just mess with his head. So so he leaves, and then Jeannie says to no one. Ooh, wait till she sees who I transferred them to. Master will be so surprised. Outside of the house. The way she's talking to herself, it feels like that line should rhyme. (laughs) Outside of the house, uh, we get to the funniest and also uh, pretty cringeworthy bit of of this bit of this episode. Um, Pedro. You you have Pedro, their gardener, played by an actor whose name is Pedro Gonzalez Gonzalez. Um, okay, that's and good. It is great, right? So Pedro, who is oh, it's really tr- cringy. This character who is based like the wacky Mexican gardener, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's trying to get the the power lawnmower that he rides on the riding lawnmower started. He says it won't start. This bit would be so good if he didn't talk like Speedy Fucking Gonzalez. Yeah, like if yeah. they didn't like uh, if they didn't like go so overboard. He's basically like, hey, Senor Tony! (laughs) The more no no fuego! Uh, I'm not bailing you out on this impression. I'm gonna let you fucking hang. (laughs) It was rough. It's, it's, It's really bad. But what's worse is, we get the setup for this, which is Tony says, oh, don't worry, it'll start. And because he said it and he has magic powers, it starts. And he goes, hey, Senor Tony, that's right. Uh, And Tony says, I bet that thing is more powerful than my car. And of course, then the uh, lawnmower takes off. Pedro is is on it. And the riding lawnmower just crashes through a fence and just rides down the sidewalk, nearly runs over two old ladies carrying groceries. Yeah. It's, this is very funny. The music that is playing behind it is basically the Mexican hat dance. Yeah. It is the... It is really close to being like there's like you expect to hear people like shooting off pistoleras and yelling ole mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Rough. It's rough. It's a shame that this is like fairly racist because it is also the best reoccurring bit in the like they're so good at dropping uh like shots of pedro on the lawnmower throughout this uh this episode and every single moment of his rampage is fucking hilarious if you just just put it on mute if you just put it on mute it's so good <laughs> yeah. yeah in this episode tony 100 percent kills a guy like, yeah at the end of the episode pedro is still on that lawnmower which tony has cursed to run at the speed of a car forever <laughs> like he's going to die yeah yeah and probably has accumulated a body count by the end of the episode because we see like he almost takes that guy's head off (laughs) yeah he's like popping out of the manhole and then like the lawnmower goes over the manhole and it's just like damn yeah he almost decapitates a man and you know what he would have been in the right to do it pedro justice for pedro because what the hell is this rendition (laughs) Yeah, no, Pedro's going to be on the news as, like, <laughs> crazed gardener, drives riding mower through shopping mall, kills 20. Yeah, seriously. Fortunately, though, his lawnmower is pretty tiny. I looked at that going, look at that little compact lawnmower. When did they When did they turn to, like, the giant hulking things that we have today? We should go back to this, because his, 
His lawnmower looks like a child's bicycle. It looks like a like a little uh, go kart. Yeah, yeah. It it looks like somebody had removed the chassis from a golf cart, and it's just like just the wheels bit. It looks okay. like a Mario Kart vehicle. It does look like a Mario Kart vehicle. That's what I was going for. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Okay, next scene. I am uh, your rock. In the office, and uh, Tony and Healy are in a room with just generic equipment. <laughs> just a computer room. <laughs> like Twilight Zone level science equipment. Right. Just just things that look vaguely scientific just in the background. They're about to play a round of Simon on that computer pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like everything in the background of the shot is about to achieve sentience. It really looks like they are about to play tic-tac-toe in order to avoid a nuclear strike on Russia. (laughs) Uh, Also, like, so they're down in this fucking, like, laboratory doing science experiments, which... Why? (laughs) Why? You you... are astronauts! This is not your job! Yeah! I like that it's just like they just got back from a space mission and they're like, all right, get back to work. Yeah. You had your fun. You went into space. Get back to doing generic science. These beeps aren't going to boop themselves. <laughs> uh, so Tony's on the phone with Colonel Cochran uh, and Colonel Cochran wants them to meet some people. It's like his aunt or something is in town uh, and neither he nor Healy want to do it. So Tony says he makes up a lie and he says, Oh, we can't make it to your event. Uh, We're up to our ears in paperwork. And then a mountain of paperwork shows up (laughs) up to their ears. Just Uh, a, yeah, just a a pile, like a a Looney Tunes-esque pile of paperwork. It kind of looks like they're in a haystack, but it's just like different, like, printouts. (laughs) I fucking love that all the visual gags on the show that we've seen so far have been straight up, like, Looney Tune visual (laughs) gags. Yeah. They are, yeah. It's not even vaudeville. Like, when something blows up, like... The it like curls like a flower the way like Elmer Fudd's gun does. <laughs> yeah, I every time there's a gag, I expect it to be like da 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 or something. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, Tony hangs up with Colonel Cochran, uh, and Major Bellows appears, uh, and he sees that they are literally in a mountain of paperwork, <laughs> and he basically says it. He says, "You're up to your ears in paperwork. What happened here?" They make up this excuse about like how they're cleaning out the files, and then the window came and. Uh, when the window opened and the wind came through, Bellows points out, we're 40 feet underground. <laughs> Even if that wasn't the case, already a bad lie. Yeah. Like, Come on, Tony, you, you should be better at this by now. You are an astronaut. <laughs> like, an, Come on, any... Tony, you should be better at this by now is basically the subtitle for this entire series. <laughs> yeah. From like season two on. Haven't you figured how, it out yet? How have you not learned to any improvisation whatsoever? <laughs> like any adult should be able to lie better than this it it doesn't matter though because major bellows just leaves he's like okay well this is weird goodbye yeah (laughs) walks away yeah that part is really funny i'm like i I get you bellows i would do the same thing i'd be (laughs) like oh seems like you have your hands full then i'm gonna go I like that Bellows consistently identifies that there is something super weird going on <laughs> and wants to get to the bottom of it, but not that bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, I think there's some fuckery afoot, and I want to solve this mystery, but also, eh. 
it's not really my job. And he, it's, it's, he doesn't like seem he to really like Tony that much, so he doesn't <laughs> want to be in the room with him that long. He's just kind of, mm, I'll pass. I could, I could solve this weird mystery that's been plaguing me for five years, but then I'd have to deal with that fucking guy. <laughs> he has no <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to deal with this incredibly square man, both in head shape and demeanor. <laughs> So yeah, he just leaves. Uh, and, he just and, bounces. And Tony, of course, his first instinct is to blame Jeannie. Like, <sighs> Tony. Uh, well, okay. I'm going to believe Tony on this one. I'm going to back Tony up on this one because literally for the past four years, anything that has gone wrong in his life has been because he said something and Jeannie made something happen. So right. just based on history, he has every right to believe that Jeannie is in the room somewhere. And in a like, way, <laughs> she's still the one who did it, sort of. True, yeah. true. And uh, for, I thought you are going to say, and in a way, isn't Jeannie in all of our rooms <laughs> with all of us at all times? I mean, factually, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for for this one, I'm not blaming him. Like, this is one instance of some Jeannie stuff happening. There's not a trend line yet. Like, there's not a pattern he should be recognizing yet. Until the next thing that happens, which is uh, Healy tries to uh, help him clean it up clean it up some things and he says ah rog you're a brick you're a real brick is that a phrase nope is that a thing you would call someone never in my life you would probably follow it up with house (laughs) (laughs) i can't imagine any time or context in which someone would call me a brick and I'd have anything, any reaction other than what or <laughs> fuck you. I'd be like, oh, like, that's great. Thanks. And then I would just back away. Yeah. I would do a bellows in that situation, quite frankly. I, I'm trying to think of literally anything else he could have called him that would have, <laughs> like, because obviously he then turns into a brick and uh, uh, Tony has to dive and catch the brick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was funny. What else could he have said? He could have said, like, you're a real chum, and then he would have turned into a bucket of chum. Horrifying, nightmarish. Bag. Uh, <laughs> Some what... HR Giger-esque nightmare fuel, so... Okay, but at least chum is something you would call somebody. Right. Like, what What else could he have, have said? Oh. <laughs> a better, a better, like podcast would have puns ready to go for this I'm but just i saying, got nothing i'm we, like yep we, you, you think you're better than the idramagini writers you think you're better than them <laughs> harder than it looks isn't it suck it they create they just they're creating turns of phrases because they really didn't want to spend any more money than grabbing a brick <laughs> that's true uh, so so uh, he catches the brick and he's just like, Rog, Rog, are you okay? And then Major Bellows comes back in for some reason. And it's like, why are you talking to a brick? Where's Major Healy? What is any of this? You know what? Just meet me in my office later. I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> Yet again. <laughs> he's he's like, this is very concerning that uh, our best astronaut is talking to a brick. But also... Fuck this. I don't want to deal with you, man. I'm a good psychiatrist. (laughs) He came in just to look at them and then just to walk back out. And then he's, hmm, maybe they are doing something. I'm going to go back in there real quick. And then he's like, nope, I still don't want to deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) Major Bellow's entire role on this show is to go, there's something weird going on. 
well, bye. <laughs> and we're done. Yeah, yeah. So Bellows like takes the brick and then Tony's like, hey, can I have my brick back? I need it as a paperweight. Bellows like tosses it to him. Which <laughs> dick move, even I if know. he didn't know that it was a man. Come on. Bellows throws a brick at him. Yeah. <laughs> The 60s. Bellows, Bellows is a bastard. I think we can all agree on that. This is rally. a hostile work environment. <laughs> Bellows is a really fucking mean dude. <laughs> to Tony and to his wife. Oh, yeah. You can't you can't just go around throwing bricks at people, dude. Bellows. <laughs> Bellows. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Tony barely catches the brick and then says, Jeannie, I want you to return him to his original form. <laughs> guess what his original form is fucking baby it's a baby. a baby <laughs> and then tony's like oh you're so cute <laughs> and it's like yeah. oh my god tony <laughs> he's so dumb that he like forgets the context of him having a baby now for like five <laughs> seconds he's so, so funny so, so let, let's run through the next series of events in this pattern yes that he, tony he should roger have picked back. up on he turns roger back uh Puts him down because he's carrying him this, like a baby at this point. Uh, then he says, I want this place cleaned up because he thinks he's yelling at Genie. And then the all the equipment and everything disappears out of the room. It's now empty. And then he goes, all right, very funny. I want the equipment back. And he says this while he's walking. So the equipment reappears and he bangs his shin on the stool that reappears. <laughs> okay, so this is the point where he's. Where I I get on the camp of he's a fucking idiot that should have figured this yeah, out. Yeah, he should have. He should have pieced some stuff together now. But uh, he is an. He did but. it, <laughs> and he has to call Jeannie to like yell at her some more. Just be, you can't go anywhere with me. I'm like dealing with your problems. Yeah, just like calls her to just kind of berate her. He doesn't even really tell her to stop. He's just like. Just yells at her. Yeah. He, he he does say no more tricks, but yeah. Uh, Barbara Eden, so he calls Jeannie, and Barbara Eden has such a good line. <laughs> She's at home cooking in the kitchen. She can't, like, poof the phone over to her again, so she has to, like, walk over and, and get it. And so while her, Tony is yelling at her, She's just like, no, I haven't used my powers at all. I've been here cooking. Turns out, without my powers, I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> I've ruined three cakes. <laughs> Which Her delivery is so good. It's great. And, and she has that little bit of flour on the end of her nose, which is fucking adorable. Yeah, it's so funny. This scene is really funny because Tony is being the worst and she doesn't even notice that he's being terrible. <laughs> I so actual like genuine question because I've gone back and forth on it a couple of times. Does the show know that Tony is the fucking worst? Has to. Has right? to. It, it's got it, <laughs> which is kind of incredible for back then that they made a TV show where like the straight white square chinned protagonist is a fucking jackass. Yeah, just adult and can't do anything. He fails at everything. Yeah, he just like. He sucks at literally everything he does on screen. He is an overwhelming clod. And this was like 1969. (laughs) Literally the one thing he has done on his own is in the first episode where he does a space flight. And even that doesn't work because he crash lands on an island that's not supposed to be there. Yeah. (laughs) He's a terrible astronaut. (laughs) Uh, yeah, he is a fucking terrible astronaut. I mean, <laughs> this episode has demonstrated he is an astronaut without basic pattern recognition. <laughs> like, also, this this show has a very loose understanding of what an astronaut is or does. Sure, sure, yeah. But, 
so after this episode get... has a loose understanding of what space is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. After he gets done yelling at Jeannie, he hangs up the phone. Uh, Roger is just like, wow, you really laid into her. And he's like, <laughs> well, you gotta be a little rough sometimes. And he says this line, it's amazing that a girl like that could have all that wonderful power and no idea how to use it constructively. Hard cut! <laughs> Hard cut to Pedro on a fucking rampage on this lawnmower. It's <laughs> so good! He's, he's like tearing through bushes and he's chasing a man on a bicycle into a pool. Uh, and How serious Tony is. <laughs> oh, it, she has no idea how to use it constructively. <laughs> okay, so this is the the insane thing about this episode where he's like, Jeannie is so bad at using her powers. And I'm just sitting there like, she calls you master. She does literally whatever you say. You have her powers. You're the one underutilizing them. This is true. Yeah, yeah. this is true. Like, like, uh... He, keeps he doesn't saying, even understand her powers, even to begin with. That's, I mean, that comes under obviously a microscope in this issue or in this episode. But in general, he has no idea what she can even do. He's always baffled by it. So okay, th- th- this is a guy who it's been three years and he has not figured out yet not to use the phrase "I wish." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, you'd be editing that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he really just has not put more than five minutes of thought into this entire situation <laughs> until now. I mean, every every woman who listens to this show right now is sitting there going, oh, really? Really? This man <laughs> who has put five minutes of thought into, into this job and he thinks that he can do it better than the woman who's been doing it for literally centuries? Really? Shock. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what's interesting about this episode, though, right? It's like the 60s and they're talking about not in the same language we would use today, obviously, but they're definitely calling out the fact that Tony is a complete dull and that Jeannie does everything. And that also her powers are really serious and she has to be in control of them or really bad things could happen that aren't, you know, I messed up whatever, you know, like whatever your random dinner plans were, you know, now they're all chaotic. Woo, you know, that's nothing compared to being able to, you know, cause 10 wars, as she says in here. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they really hit his condescension head... Uh, they hit his condescension head on. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting episode. That's kind of why this one always stands out to me, because I watched it whenever I was a little kid and was kind of amazed by it a little bit. I'm I'm going to keep using comic illusions because, you know, uh, uh-huh. but there is, like, some <laughs> elements of, like, like the Superman mythos of like, what would you do if you had all this power? Like a, a little little Kanye in there. No one yeah. man. No one man should have all that power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They do. They really kind of like like hold a microscope up to to what it is to have the power of a god. Well, mm-hmm. well, well, all of this happens in this next scene uh, where past <laughs> Pedro and his like demolition derby. We'll we'll get back to Pedro later. Uh, but now Healy and Tony are outside. They're walking uh, on what is very clearly just the CBS backlog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're astronauts. Just very clearly, just right outside the studio. NASA. <laughs> yeah, there, are, there are women walking around in like ambiguous white cloaks. Like I don't know if they're supposed to be like scientists, like coats. I, I will sure. say we. 
on, on when we're talking Andy Griffith, we actually genuinely praise like the buildings and the construction of the set very re- very regularly because it allows the filmmakers to do some cool stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The set design on I Dream of Genie is so <laughs> fucking cheap. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's held together by scotch tape for sure. Uh, you know, NASA in the 1960s well known for its wood finished panel walls. <laughs> <laughs> I. It looks like every single set of I Dream of Genie I could kick to the ground in like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so so they're walking down, uh, and this is where uh Tony is pontificating to himself about like what he would do if he had Genie's powers. And <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> how he could solve the whole problems of the whole world. Which, as Dan has pointed out, you do! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can! You literally just have to ask for it. She yep. has literally never said no to him. <laughs> <laughs> and Healy, just in case you forget that, like, Healy's main characteristic is horny, uh, yeah. says, man, if I had Genie's powers, I would just whip up a pool with a bunch of girls in bikinis. Uh, <laughs> They still and, wouldn't talk to you, Healy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. They talk about how dry it is. Tony's like, huh, wish it would rain. And then it rains <laughs> just on the two of them, which I feel doesn't make that much sense. If you say, I wish it would rain, you're saying, I wish that it would rain everywhere. But whatever. <laughs> this uh, is where we get into the complexities of these powers. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Bellows, no. once again, doesn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just like so bellows walks up and he's like okay so it is raining on literally only you and tony is like no it isn't and bellows is like all right so i am seeing an event that defies all natural logic (sighs) meet me in my office this isn't even the first time that Bellows has seen it raining on just them. <laughs> that also happened in the Hawaii episode. This is not totally. even the first time he's encountered this. Yep, and cut. He's just like, whatever. <laughs> uh, so he's like, come on, get in my office. I gotta do it. I think that's what, what Bellows' real thing is. It's just like, if I see this shit happening, then we have to do a psych evaluation. <laughs> and I gotta do my job. And I don't want to do my fucking job. Yeah, I'm actually dealing with people who are suffering from PTSD right now. I don't really have time for you, Tony. Yeah. That, that's why he puts them both in the office at the same time. You know, like therapists do. <laughs> Psychiatrists frequently see their, their uh, patients two at a time. <laughs> Which, he puts them on, like, psychiatrist couches, but not to do therapy, just to be like, all right, explain yourselves. <laughs> like, he just does a normal boss interrogation, but they're on psychiatrist couches, which makes it so creepy. I'm just like, oh, I thought that's what therapy was. <laughs> yeah. You know, a therapy interrogation. Uh oh, that... I guess I'm going to have to talk to my therapist. <laughs> yeah. Like, your therapist is just fucking Guantanamo baying you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> therapeutic waterboarding (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah no it's such a weird scene that i feel like does not understand what therapy is no yeah i mean good god i don't think any television show in the 60s knew that (laughs) we we were talking about this on uh before we started recording I've been watching The Sopranos lately, uh, and that show also only kind of understands what therapy is, <laughs> or at least yeah. the attitudes towards therapy don't change that much between 1969 and 1999. Totally. Uh, 
not to get off on a tangent, but that is definitely a very different <laughs> view of, a view of them. But also strangely the same. No, go off on that tangent. Uh, <laughs> Sopranos, the show. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to think of the point in time when like TV actually figured out how therapy works. Doctor Katz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's the show Fair that enough. cracked it. Uh, also, also Frasier, kind of. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> they do think it's something that can happen over the radio, but yes, I mean, so do other people. So yes, Frasier wouldn't have that job if that wasn't actually a job that people have. <laughs> I mean, Marty, I think this TV show proves that that is completely untrue. <laughs> <laughs> TV, you could just put fucking whatever on TV. Yeah, apparently, actually, and I think like up until the early two thousands. No one gave a shit. Uh, are you saying that, like, these TV shows are basically like Billy Joel inventing shit like real estate novelist and being like, that's a job? <laughs> yeah. And just like, everyone was just like, I'm home. It's been a long day of work. I'm not going to analyze this TV show even a little bit. I, we can't really make fun of it too much because, like, just last year, there was a TV show about, uh, like, Zach Braff quitting his job to run a podcast company. You know, those things that there's just so fucking many of. Yeah. Right. That you can just start so easily. And that are successful right off the ground. That show was <laughs> mercifully canceled. I think right. the show was even called just like Podcast Inc. Oh, Christ. <laughs> you know, fuck. the ABC viewing audience really gets this podcast thing. Ooh, that sounds rough. <laughs> so, Got anything with Zach Braff in it is. Yeah. He's the worst. Um, so they're back in, in Major Bellows' office. Uh, Bellows is doing some psychiatry. He's like, okay, I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. And Healy goes, I want to (laughs) leave. Healy does fucking rule. Healy's so funny. Uh, Okay, so he asks, like, okay, Tony, you need to explain what's going on. And Tony comes up with the lie that they were trying to create artificial rain. And they're having trouble cracking it. Um, To which Bellows should respond, what do you think your job is? <laughs> we put you in space. You definitely don't have the PhD for that. But like, instead, instead, he's just like, I can tell you're lying, but uh, why don't you just, just go ahead and tell me the truth. Just unburden yourself, Tony. And then Tony, of course, says, <laughs> I wish I could unload my problems onto you. Bing. Bing. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, the bing and, noise is always so satisfying <laughs> it is so uh at that point genie walks past because apparently it's really fucking easy to sneak into nasa wow you just have to put your your hair into a cute bob and put a name tag on and yeah you're good <laughs> i would have let her right through the door <laughs> yeah. go on in ma'am have a great day she's yeah. disguised as i don't know some secretary that no one's ever seen before yeah, it was a totally cool outfit that I've never seen her in, and I don't know. It's very strange to see Barbara Eden wearing regular clothes sometimes on this <laughs> show. It's like, oh, this is how you would dress normally. It's like seeing your teachers on summer vacation. Like, it's <laughs> it's weird. It doesn't seem right. But she's really funny in this part, too. Oh, uh, yeah, she's fucking great in this part. Yeah, so so Tony catches her, and they duck into, like, a side office. Uh, and Tony's just like, hey, you need to stop. He's, he, <laughs> he yells at her for all of these tricks. And she's like, what are you talking about, my man? 
What are you doing? And, <laughs> yeah. What's this? <laughs> what and, weird game are we playing now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. She she does kind of act like like there's a gag that she's not in on. Like, oh, you're so funny. I imagine that you. Um, a man of adult intelligence would have figured this out by now. This does kind of fit into Sarah's subdom theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's just. And finally, she does reveal that she's like, I transferred the powers to you, you idiot. <laughs> you absolute dipshit with no pattern recognition whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, that part's funny. And then uh, he tries to dismiss her. But because he's, oh, well, you've got to get out of here so I can do man's work. And she's like, it was women's work five minutes ago when I was doing it. And he's like, get out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So immediately, as soon as Tony learns that he has power, he goes, oh, like, like just immediately. He's like, well, I have absolute power. Uh, There's nothing about this corrupting anyone ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my, he has... I've gone sensible with power. You'd better go. <laughs> Only when he learns that, like, Genie's power is flowing through his veins does he realize that he can power trip. Um, <laughs> and immediately becomes, like, wildly condescending. And Just... doesn't even ask her. This is, like, the person who's had these powers forever. And he doesn't ask her a single question. <laughs> he explicitly says, with power like mine, I don't need your advice, Genie. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is this is where Jeannie says, you know, why she keeps her power small. Yeah. Because he's he, he has like grandeur delusions. He's like, Well I could stop a war. I could you know for some reason he says bring water to the Sahara, I could flood the Sahara. like he that's could flood the Sahara, which sounds <laughs> like a- why? Why? Great. That seems like a terrible idea, man. Great. Even yeah, if that was a good idea. It's a horrible way to phrase it. It's not the thing to do, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, hi, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller here. <laughs> For what purpose? Yeah, <laughs> yeah just to do it, or what's yeah, up what, with you? What, what's the deal there? Like, stop wars, I get that one. So I would think that the, the next one would have just as much, oh, no, just just cause yeah i don't want to cure cancer i want to turn people into dinosaurs is that what we're going for here okay <laughs> he does say i could obliterate the common cold yeah yeah right so again good thing good thing flood the sahara yeah okay tony also this is really interesting because this is one of the only times we actually see genie be kind of serious and be hey no like don't <laughs> you shouldn't do that and then at the very end is kind of just like okay whatever have fun i guess <laughs> like, okay so sarah can you explain what genie says why uh she this is a bad idea yeah just basically her saying you don't have any idea of the complexities behind these problems you're trying to just you know go in bull in a china shop essentially and just do whatever comes to mind because you think that that'll make it better but having been a genie for some time, <laughs> like, yeah. I know about this, and I know that I have to be in control of my powers unless I'm doing ridiculous, like, ruin your dinner party shit. She got, got real, like, per my last email energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's like, no, please, please, like, actually listen this time. <laughs> yeah, like, but she's not even saying don't do it, but she's like, <laughs> you need to actually think this through. Yeah, because I think that she also has this idea of no matter what he does, she'll just fix it tomorrow, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's lived like three or four years at this point with just like having Genie fix all of his shit. 
seriously yeah and she always does and then he's like well goodbye little lady like i don't need any information from you <laughs> and and so he he turns into a dick he basically says fuck off and then he tries to command her to go home which tries is so to, rude yeah, yeah tries to wish her home and when it doesn't work that's when he realizes wait a minute do i not have the powers anymore what happened and she's like what'd you do <laughs> he explicitly says just go along home that's a good girl yeah. yeah. So condescending. It's oh. kind of crazy that he gets like 400% more sexist in this scene. Yeah. And then Jeannie totally turns it around just being, hey, no, like, what'd you do? We'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> and even, then she's like, oh, you did mess it up, didn't you? <laughs> even after like all this shit, she is still just Jeannie, where she's like super supportive and on your side, not even vaguely mad at you for being a dick to me for the last eight minutes. Yeah, because I think she just thinks that he's not that wise. I think that she just sees that again and again and is kind of, I don't know, that's the vibe that I get from her in this scene is just being kind of like, all right. <laughs> I, I guess... Oh, oh, okay, okay. I, I get their dynamic now. She's just like, oh, you hot idiot. <laughs> it's totally. like being married to John Hamm. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think his shittiness is kind of part of the appeal for her. Like, it's like maybe not the shittiness but definitely the uh just that how much he actually needs her probably and yeah. how he's not always aware of that and that happens in a lot of relationships regardless you know we all have times where maybe we aren't supporting our partner the way that we should be or we're not noticing what they do for us and things like that so i wouldn't say that just that action in and of itself is you know utterly shitty or something he's being shitty in the scene like don't get me wrong but also, um, she never loses the upper hand. She's always in control. She's always in power here. And even ha him having all of her power, that doesn't change their dynamic of yeah. her just being... He tries to make it change her the dynamic, but she's like, no. Yeah, she's yeah. still in complete control of him. Yeah, it's, in it's incredible. Yeah, it's interesting because it's definitely one of those things where... It's a complicated scene, you know, you look at it and there's a lot of different angles to come at it. But also, uh, just the one that sticks out to me is pretty much the fact that she doesn't really lose her cool. She doesn't seem thrilled with him in this part of the scene. Yeah. She is kind of like, all right, dude, you know, like, tone I, it I, down. I feel like the um the line she has where, where he says, like, this is man's work. And she says, it was women's work when I was doing it. I feel yeah. like it's the first time where you actually see her not be, she's not like mad, but he does like actually hurt her feelings. Yeah. And she comes back at him with how unfair he's being, which is so important in this scene. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, this would be terrible if she didn't, <laughs> if she just kind of was like, whatever, yeah. then it would be awful. So, I mean, it really speaks to how she isn't subservient really in, in actuality at all on right. paper. Yes. Uh, uh, According to the premise of the show, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the memories of horny old men who only can, like, remember being 12 and watching that show, yes, that's right. exactly how it, how it went. But <laughs> in practice, in actuality, no, that's not how it, how it seems to go. Before the series is over, we really need to interview a horny old man about his memories of this. <laughs> oh, dear. No. Yeah, that's on the list. No, we don't. <laughs> I don't. You'll be doing that one solo, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet it out right after this. <laughs> Casting Hello. call for horny old man. <laughs> Are you a horny old man? Does the internet Please have any horny old men on it? <laughs> Please contact Dan. And only Dan. 
Oh, God. Yeah. Where, oh, where will I find a crazed, horny old man on Twitter? I can't even imagine. Do you think that, like, Barbara Eden has reply guys? I'm sure she has, like, a... Oh, yeah. I'm sure she has, like, a fan account that is just, like, run by somebody who just, like, quotes old pictures. And it's just full of, like... Twitter eggs or default avies just saying how beautiful she is to this day. Like, are we, Tan, are you looking for Barbara Eden on Twitter yeah, right now? Yeah, can you hear my typing? I yeah, can. Yep, I'm yep. also like, I'm Barbara Eden's reply. <laughs> Finding Barbara Eden on Twitter. Just gonna hit follow real fast. And just like clicking below the latest tweet of hers. Uh, sh- sh- uh, she does, in fact, have reply guys, but mostly just being like, I heart your youthful exuberance, Barbara. <laughs> no spaces between any of the words. <laughs> Barbara Eden's got a check mark. Barbara oh, Eden's no. got an official one, yeah. Of course she does. She's Barbara goddamn Eden. Show some <laughs> respect. Uh, yeah, it's really just like an extremely positive comment section. There's there's not Aww. as much creepiness as I thought there would uh, be. I, I'm, I'm gonna look at, uh... All of the ones for her birthday, for her birthday wishes, just like people saying, still beautiful. Oh, uh, beautiful. Uh, you know what? This is this is sweeter than I imagined it to be. Yeah, no, it's, this is like, there's a lot of we stan. Oh, I love her. She's great. Oh, Barbara- well, good, good for you, Barbara Eden. Getting, uh, getting all these boomers standing for you. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> Barbara Eden, Captain Marvel, you're my superhero. What? Hi. Oh, we know there's one. There's one. Uh, hi, sunglass face, sunglass face, sunglass face. <laughs> okay, that's there's one. Uh, but most of these are just like this. This segment turned out way more wholesome than we imagined it would be. <laughs> that's how this. It's how it goes with I Dream of Genie sometimes. Yeah. Oh my no, god! That's wait, wait, wait. Barbara Eden's replies the most wholesome place on Twitter. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about? We talk about this one tweet from September 23rd that's a picture of Barbara Eden holding a Rolling Stone with a shirtless Harry Styles on the cover and being like very animated and very, very into it. And and basically, uh, like the tweet is about how excited Barbara Eden is to see Harry Styles on tour. How horny this 86 year old woman is for Harry Styles. Yay. <laughs> oh, this is oh my, my god. This is my best Twitter follow in years. <laughs> I am retweeting this horny Barbara Eden picture immediately. Good for you. Good for you, Barbara Eden. <laughs> God, I love her. Yep. <laughs> She's the one that saves it every time. Every fucking the, time. What the fuck are we talking? Back to Bellow's office. Oh, right. Uh, okay, yeah. So they realize that Bellows has Tony's power because, like, a dipshit, he gave it to him. Um, and Bellows is in an argument with his wife about paint colors. She wants the house green. He wants it yellow. Um, and every time he, every, basically, depending on how the argument is going, the paint in the house t- turns back from green to yellow, as the guy who's painting it has a psychotic <laughs> break, basically. They just casually drive a painter to madness. Yeah. The the guy playing the painter is so good. It's this guy who's he just is. up on a ladder, he's painting the house green, uh, and then he and they do this bit where every time he looks away to dip his paintbrush <laughs> in for the paint, he looks back and it's a different color. Yes. So finally, by the fourth time, he's just like, 
Like he's got this look on his face, like I don't want to look. I don't want to look back. <laughs> I don't want to turn back. Uh, and it finally culminates in Major Bellows being like, "You know what? You're right, dear. This is silly to fight about. Let's go ahead and compromise. We'll paint the house green and yellow. I have no fucking sense of design whatsoever." <laughs> yeah. And so, Bing, the house is now for some reason. Like green and yellow diagonal stripes all over. It is hideous. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so also ugly. it's so funny to listen to. I mean, I don't know. I always think that it's a joke. It's actually really just how women were written in the sixties. But <laughs> I was her just being like, "Oh, I had no idea you felt so strongly about it, darling," and things like that. That's like how I would sarcastically respond to yeah. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it seems to me, right, like, one of them has to be clearly in the wrong here, right? Because there's no fucking way you can make that mistake if you've talked Whoops. about it. There's no way, if you've talked about this once, hey, what color do you want to paint the house? There's no way that you could be, like, mista- make that mistake. Oh, I forgot. are way the fuck apart. <laughs> oh, right? you didn't want a yellow? I thought that you wanted a greenhouse. I thought that that was what we agreed on. <laughs> Right, because because he seems pretty damned like like bizarrely not, against it. It's not just that he wanted it to be yellow; it's that he does not want it to be green. Yeah, I will not have a greenhouse. And she's like, "Oh, she one hundred percent slipped the painter like a twenty. Like he came in with yellow paint, and she was like, "No." No, absolutely not. Here's twenty dollars. Paint it green. By the time my husband calls, you'll be mostly done, and it'll be too late for him to do anything because he definitely won't have the powers of a god. Uh, but also, Bellows has an insane line in this exchange where he just goes, "You're unleashing my hostility, Barbara." And Barbara's like, "Oh." That's a uh, right, 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 right. Uh, at first, I'm like, that's a threat. But the way that Barbara responds, like, it it seems like Barbara and Bellas also have that that de- that dom sub relationship because she's like, oh, am I am I am I releasing your your hostility? Wow, Barbara gonna get that good D tonight, <laughs> or or they have or, a completely different relationship, and who knows? And she's just totally messing with his head. Um, but yeah, Marty. But either way. It sounds like there's a lot to it that we don't see <laughs> in this yeah, episode. Yeah, no, it, it seems like this is a terrible marriage. Oh, yeah, it sounds awful, but also yeah. maybe not. <laughs> maybe like, not. Maybe not. For me, it just strikes me as like, very, it's very weird. Like, the way he says, you're unleashing my hostility definitely sounds like <laughs> terrifying, overly clinical way to talk to a loved one. <laughs> And also just overly hostile, like, dear God, sit down. Yeah, simultaneously, like, divorced and also extremely hostile. <laughs> but so funny that, like, Barbara just is, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Barbara's yeah. just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, she's, she's not really worried about that at all. She's, <laughs> like, mildly interested in it. <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm... Yeah, he's like, I will pay literally any money for him to make the house, uh, to make the house yellow and she was like you're making great points but also no (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so funny yeah i don't know why like barbara was the breakout character for me (laughs) (laughs) and i know there's that thing where it's like uh, i get it that i'm looking and at this from a different time you know and being like oh that's hilarious because she's like messing with him in that time they were writing her as being like 
this is just what wives would say or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, I'm giving it maybe more credit than it's due, but at the same time, she was really funny in this for me. Like, like back then, the writing of Barbara was probably like pretty sexist, but it's uh-huh. kind of like been so long that it's kind of like come <laughs> back around and it rules now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like uh, you know, I feel I feel like that's a lot of this show to be in general. Honestly. Yeah, like stuff I, I, that's like wives, huh? God. That is I, now like fuck yeah! This wife is kicking his ass. I definitely, definitely do not feel like this television show about you know a demigod sex slave that written by a bunch of dudes in the sixties blitzed on highballs. I don't think it was intentionally transgressive. No, <laughs> yeah. probably but not. It, but it turned out to be somehow anyway. Yeah. Um, so after Bellows finishes his magical paint fight. Uh, Tony, like, sprints in and just starts, like, interrogating Bellows about, like, hey, have you, just weird question, have you altered the fabric of reality recently? <laughs> like, have you just al- noticed, like, your magic recently? Just <laughs> random. Just, random. Hey, hey you, you know how sometimes you, like, sneeze and, like, a trans-dimensional portal opens up? You ever get that? Did that happen to you recently? <laughs> have you like raised that? any elder demons recently? <laughs> It created any portals to 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 hell? Just, <laughs> just how's hey, your hey, day going, man? Hey, man. Hey, man. How's it hanging? How's your whole space time continuum thing going on? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god. So Major Bellows uh, is like, what? No, nothing's weirds going on. I need you to leave because I have to practice my speech for when I introduce you at the press conference today. Uh, and, and Tony does a "We are not the droids." These are not the droids you're looking for. Situation on Bellows. <laughs> Tony, like, yeah, Tony basically drives a man insane. <laughs> he gives Bellows a psychotic break. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the cruelest things I've ever seen on television. Yeah, and he just does it so flippantly. <laughs> yeah, just uh, so casually. Bellows needs like. Decades of therapy to recover from this scene. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the in the process of practicing uh this speech, uh Major Bellows using his magic A accidentally switches places with Tony, because in his speech he says, I like everyone else here, I wish I could switch places with Admiral Nelson, and then bing, now he Tony's does. behind the desk and he's over there. Uh he also accidentally turns his like lectern into the banquet hall uh while he's practicing bing uh and he sees all this happening and tony just is like it's all in your imagination yes sarah Sarah, if you could describe what is tony's move in this like like what is his these are not the droids you're looking for let let not forget that major healy is in here for some reason right healy's just standing there uh and you go oh i wish somebody would explain what's happening (laughs) uh he says what is it you wish that you could give your problem to me and bellow says the same thing i wish i could give my problems to you and then he goes bing and then uh yeah he says oh no he's fine he's the happiest man on earth and then he turns him into a laughing clown which is like what is happening in this episode extremely disturbing oh yeah so disturbing yeah no it's so many so yeah basically he gaslights bellows until he is 
full stop disassociating. <laughs> like, he's like, I have lost my mind. I'm hallucinating a banquet table. Like, like he's seeing a banquet table. Tony right. just says, no, there's no banquet table here. You're just seeing that because you're extremely stressed out. Uh, now repeat after me. Uh, and then he turns him into a fucking clown, which is, um, <laughs> apparently the show's idea of the happiest possible <laughs> form of human existence. <laughs> 60s were a different time. I keep thinking it. I watch this show and I think, wow, the 60s were a different time. And thinking that clowns are happy and well-adjusted is definitely a sign of that. Yeah. Uh. Had the worm not turned on clowns yet? <laughs> they like, were still cute or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, do, I guess, yeah, I guess the, uh, I guess it hadn't come out yet, so. Sure, sure. Back at home. Also, apparently between, like, that and then the ride home, Tony just forgets all about his plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently once he has his powers back, he's just like, you know what? Nope, I don't need to do any of that stuff. Turns out, I guess Genie was right. Nothing, <laughs> nothing really happened to convince me that Genie was right, but I guess Genie was right. And I'll just, he just kind of forgets all about it on the drive home. Uh, he, he gets nothing close to comeuppance. No. No. Uh, no, no one learns anything. But uh, as, as the Mayberry Wiki, uh, I'm sorry. As the I Dream of Genie wiki told us at the beginning, <laughs> he does use his powers to do Genie's hair. He does. And the best thing happens where he accidentally makes himself mute, and it's really funny, and also he could have spent the whole episode like that, pretty much. Basically. He's, and Ge- Whoops, I Genie muted bas- myself. Yeah, but Genie basically also reveals that like she has cheat codes. Yeah. She's just like, oh, blink a couple of times and it'll come back. <laughs> So she basically reveals that, like, she's on a whole nother level with this shit. Yeah. She has been doing it for a while. But yeah. her hair looks great. Everything's back to normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then they go out to go to the banquet together. Uh, Tony has to watch what he says so that he doesn't accidentally rip a hole in the space-time continuum during his press conference. Again. Which, that, that's an episode unto itself. We don't <laughs> see any of that. Yeah. All of this entire episode is build up to the press conference, which you would think would be the episode. Yeah, totally. This is a weird episode where it's like, oh, 25 minutes in and we're done. And you go, wait. <laughs> I thought that was like, the beginning. When are they going to get to the press conference? <laughs> yeah, they just got to the climax and they're like, all right, good night, everybody. <laughs> that's that's my night. That's my time. I'm done. <laughs> before, before we do a wrap on this, Pedro returns. Yes. Looking just like a man just shocked. He has been riding this lawnmower for 11 hours at this point, And he's just covered in leaves and, and trees and probably... <laughs> Probably a million bugs. Oh, Pedro. Uh, Definitely the blood of bystanders. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, the motor finally stops and Tony's like, Pedro, are you okay? Not pa- really paying attention. Yeah. Because Pedro- he just goes like, and Pedro just goes like, oh, the mower is, there's something wrong with it. And Tony just goes like, no, nonsense. This thing will run for ever ye- like 80 years. And then just Pedro just immediately shoots off. And Tony is like, Nothing wrong with that. Definitely eh. haven't learned any lessons. <laughs> eh. They get in their car and they go. So, Pedro Pedro's 100% dead. dies. Pedro dies. Oh, Pedro. <laughs> Poor fucking Pedro. I know. 
he he did nothing to deserve any of this, and Wait. Tony just like casually annihilates him. On the other hand, we have pointed out that this is a small go-kart. Pedro could jump off at <laughs> any time. That is really funny that he never does that, actually. It's <laughs> like, is this really the most fun that Pedro's ever had? Because it seems like it might be. He even has an opportunity to drive it into a pool. <laughs> and he swerves away from it. He's like, nah. You know what I'm going to say? You know what I'm going to say? Pedro's a goddamn hero. Because he <laughs> knows that if he jumped off this uh, lawnmower... He wouldn't be in control of it. It could hit a bunch of kids. Aww. It could just go through a preschool. Pedro is willing to sacrifice himself to make sure that it doesn't hit anybody. Okay, but he could have driven it into a pool. He could have driven it into a pool. That is undermining the point that I made before you said the- <laughs> I thought of it before you said the pool thing. Uh, and then I got very indignant about it. And then you were like, the pool. you said the pool thing. And I thought that by this point, I would have a rebuttal to that. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> Shock one up for Marty. Marty wins this round. Fuck. <laughs> um, okay. And, yeah. and, and that's it. That's the episode. Yeah. Yeah, so all in all, fucking banger of an episode. Great episode. We were talking for 25. It was a 25 minute episode, and we've been talking for like an hour and a half about it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty standard. Oh, sure, here. sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tight one for us. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, we didn't ever really figure out a rating system for this one. Oh, sure. Uh, because like it's pretty much just like how much do we like this episode? Uh, which is a lot. Yeah. I like this episode a lot. It's it's a very entertaining half hour of television. <laughs> uh, it doesn't really have any point. So yeah, there's, no point. <laughs> there, there's yeah. no way to like have any moral questions <laughs> or quandaries about it the pedro music is pretty bad yeah no i have thanks. to dock some points for that yeah absolutely um, it, it really sucks because it ruins the, one of the funniest things i've i've seen yeah. in, in 60s tv that's, is his rampage that's true so much of 60s tv where you're like wow if they had done things just a little bit differently we could still be watching this today with no problematic feelings Unne completely unnecessary totally unnecessary like, like like the the little Mexican hat dance music adds nothing to Pedro's bit. It could have been any. It could have been yakety sax. It makes yeah. it so much less funny too, because it's just a trope anyway. Yeah. So yeah. you're seeing something that's not original and not funny. And this scene is actually really original, you know. So it yeah. kind of is regressive, just even in its own joke, you know, which is gross and terrible. Um, but I guess that is the terrible <laughs> root of racism, as it's. Uh, makes everything worse yeah and and it the his ethnicity has absolutely nothing to, nothing do, with to do with the yeah. joke like it's not even it's not even like a uh, uh, on a fundamental na nature of what the joke is it's not a racist joke it's just a joke of like ha tony is irresponsible with his powers right uh let's look at some carnage and then they're just like also the carnage is racist yeah yeah um yeah it's 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 fucking really sad because it's like one of the one of my favorite jokes on TV in a in a while. Yeah, but and they can't let you have it. <laughs> no, god, god damn it, the sixties. I know the sixties were pretty rough. <laughs> you can't it, it, be cool for a minute. Yeah, it, it, it's also it's also worse because like you know that this this actor Pedro Gonzalez Gonzalez 
you know that those are the only roles he plays is just like you like you know that the only time they have a, a mexican person on this show is to play the gardener with the racist music totally yeah, yeah. yeah. and he's great in this <laughs> we should have seen better stuff no his facial expressions when he's on the riding mower are what sells the scene because mm-hmm. he sells like absolute terror while still making it funny yes yeah but but other than that like not a whole like there's no point to this episode which is fun <laughs> uh it is just uh it it reveals some of uh tony's condescending nature and mm-hmm. then immediately pulls it back uh most there of the are gender just... dynamics that I would hesitantly call forward thinking. Mm-hmm. We aren't qualified to talk about that. <laughs> but yeah. I would say. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it feels, yeah, it feels forward thinking to me almost like on accident. Like Yes. Yes. Yeah. It seems like they were not trying very hard and action, act, actually came up with a fairly like but yeah, forward-thinking uh, idea about the relationship, about gender relations. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. just that, you know, Barbara Eden's whole persona just made the the set a better place, probably. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you can't be, you can't be, like, sexist to Barbara Eden. Yeah, She's a who beam could? of pure light. Seriously. I'm just like, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. You would have to be the actual devil, or... <laughs> Probably her co-star on this show. Yes. So there's that. Yeah. All right. So I think that's our final thoughts for this. Uh, Unless anybody else has any other thoughts to mention. Going once, going twice. Oh, no. Yeah. So do you want to plug, like, uh, where we can find you, recent stuff you've been up to? Yeah. Everything is kind of just changing right now. I am writing a little bit less articles and a little bit more fiction and so i'm kind of in this weird nebulous state normally i can say hey just look me up on sci-fi which you can go on to sci-fi and look at my author tags and i have like 350 tags on there so there's a lot of reading if you want to get into it uh and i highly recommend it sci-fi fangirls is really fun to write for and they're all great people and there's a lot of really good stuff in there that's not mine uh, Mm -hmm. but mine's on there too and yeah, basically just that, uh, just a huge backlog. And then Bitches on Comics is one of the things that I'm focusing on right now. Uh, but there's always more to come. So I'd say check out Twitter, check out my webpage. What, which are what? Sarah, oh, sorry. SarahCentury.com. And then at SarahCentury, it's S-A-R-A Century. Uh, all that stuff will be in the show notes as well. So yes. people can look on that. Uh, I am 100% going to start listening to Bitches on Comics. Yay! Just anyone that's, like, digging into the snarled rat's nest that is comics continuity. Yes, we have a great time. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Break Mayberry. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. You can follow Barbara Eden on Twitter. Yes. At Barbara underscore Eden. And it's a treasure. Pro follow right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We won't even, like, tell you to tweet at Barbara Eden like we used to do with Ron Howard. Like, just, <laughs> just be nice to Barbara Eden, admire her tweets, and then leave her alone. Yeah. I mean, you can tweet at Barbara Eden, but you have to be cool. Yes. You, d- don't fucking embarrass us. <laughs> don't embarrass <laughs> us in front of Barbara Eden. <laughs> I just followed uh, her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same here. Be fucking cool. Uh, I have, like, nine... Barbara Eden has nine followers that I know. Wow. <laughs> I follow nine people that follow Barbara Eden. That's amazing. And also, I do want to say that Barbara Eden, 
just in general is amazing. So if you get the chance, you should check out some of her interviews that they have on the YouTube because there is some really great stuff on there. Go Hell on yes. the YouTubes and look up Barbara Eden, kids. That's that's what we're getting from this. Great, great. I'm we're not a million 90, years yeah. old. I just turned ninety-eight. Holy shit! All right, Barbara Eden doesn't refer to it as the YouTube. God, stop no, ripping on our guests. She's obviously much more hip than I am, though, and always has been. Oh no, Barbara Eden is one hundred percent like uh, like Barbara Eden is playing. I'm about to date myself by saying Barbara Eden plays Fortnite. <laughs> Barbara Eden has a TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> that Barbara is Eden's actually the TikToks one. TikToks are so good. <laughs> Barbara Eden is crushing it on TikTok. <laughs> all right, that seems like a good place to wrap up the episode. So thank you all for listening. Um, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, review, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, be sure to keep on. Uh, tell us what you think about this new miniseries we're doing. We'll have got a few more guests lined up. We'll be continuing to do uh, Idrim and Genie. And then we'll take a quick break and go back to Mayberry. But in the meantime, you can't put the Genie back in the bottle. Come, come, come on and meow.